0: This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC Cincinnati. This is the nation station.
1: Drive there
2: from Kentucky. I'll never forget the Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 46. You remember back in the day when you watch a sitcom and you turn it on and they'd. Do a clip show, a best of. Well, that's what we've got for you.
3: That's right. Uh, 2018 saw the rebirth of the Cincy Shirts podcast, and there were so many memorable moments that we thought, let's share them all, and then we can start fresh making memories in 2019.
4: Yeah, and we'd like to thank everybody who uh, put the Cincy Shirts podcast on their, their iTunes list and their uh, Spotify downloads and all that stuff. Uh, we really appreciate you guys giving us the time
2: much more successful than we could have possibly imagined. So keep listening and keep telling your friends. And uh, let's listen to some clips.
1: Cincinnati,
4: Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-E-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Alright, for our first clip, we're going to take you back to episode number one where uh, Thane Maynard came in talking about the uh, Cincinnati Zoo and Fiona and how the zoo was uh, named the sexiest zoo in America. Um, I
3: was going to ask you about the sexiest zoo in America. Sure. Is that something you guys... It, was that like a marketing thing? You guys are like, you know, we need a, we need a hook, or you're just like, what are we really good at making babies? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because zoo babies was always my, oh favorite, yeah, like favorite. Like I was like something I look forward to all the time is like going to see like the sure. baby monkeys and everything like that. Well, you know, like any institution, zoos
5: really. Uh, value third party validation, you know, where someone else writes about us and says we're great. It's not just us with our PR department. Uh, you know, Zagat surveys a few years ago ranked us in the top three zoos in America, and Fromers came out with a list the next year and ranked us in the top three zoos, which is saying something because the other ones are places like San Diego Zoo, the Bronx Zoo, you know, et cetera. Um, so, way back in the eighties, when we really got going with our reproductive science program crew that i mentioned so we were doing you know artificial insemination we did the first test tube gorilla i mean we did a lot of uh really leading edge wildlife reproduction um newsweek did a story and called us the sexiest zoo in the world and uh you know that that stuck for a while it's not the only thing you could Hang your hat on, but it was a cute thing to be called that. So. Fun
3: hashtag.
6: Yeah.
5: We need a shirt that says that. Yeah. yeah heck. Exactly. But uh, that related to, you know, we've bred an awful lot of endangered species for a long, long time. You know, we've had 50 baby gorillas born at our zoo since 1970. Jeez. And we hope to have another one this calendar year. So we'll see. We're working on that. It's really complex to breed endangered species because you can't just breed them if you've got them. you got to be very careful. And there's scientists that work on a suggested breeding list. So it's, it's a bit like, you know, Red's trying to get new players.
3: You That's what I was going to ask. Trade a left Do you just you know. bring two hippos together and hope that they hit it off, or is there like a metacommun well, like kind of, kind of, kind of, of thing? Yeah. Where you're like, well, you try to these
5: two you see. try to get ones that are not overrepresented in the gene pool, so you know there would be records of okay, how many babies did Henry have? Are there any that are related to to BB? And so it was determined they'd be a good match, so we put them together. Similar going on with our elephants and our. You know, giraffes, a variety of species, trying to be thoughtful about who goes where. Your rhino? Yeah. Baby rhino? Oh, yeah, Kendi. Kendi. Now, some animals are hard to breed. Uh, Breeding rhinos is a challenge. Uh, We've had a lot of luck with it. We lead the world in breeding two of the five species. We've had
3: more black rhinos than anywhere, and we've had more... Sumatran rhinos. Now, how do you get good at that? Like, What makes what makes the zoo good at that? Is it the people doing it, or do you just, you built the rhino exhibit just right that it feels
4: mm. natural? It's, or, it's a know. combination,
3: <laughs> a
5: little like the Fiona thing. It's a combination of things that fall into place. In the case with rhinos, people like your friend Randy Perrin, worked with our rhinos a long, long time, <clears throat> and, and know them well, so the animal's feeling comfortable who's around them and how they're handled facility works well for them and then there is some of it this luck of the draw you know the two that on paper these are the ones we should put together they, they might not get along right uh, like a blind date um, and sometimes it's things we're not even sure why we are the leading zoo at breeding the stellar sea eagle the biggest eagle in the world they come from the coast of siberia and we have them at the zoo they're great big things they're a salmon's worst nightmare they eat, huh? like our eagles they eat fish but they eat really big fish and we're not sure why, but I mean, we just breed them like crazy.:
3: Up next, we have a great story from former Bearcat point guard Kashmir Wright with his remembering of the crosstown shootout. So the shootout game. <laughs> like what are, you, what are your memories from how that escalated to that level? Because I mean, I don't remember it ever getting to be like that.
6: Uh, well Well, people forget it was the, the build up to that game. It, it was the um, you know we was we just lost Presbyterian yeah you know, we sucked <laughs> like like I mean to be honest with you we sucked so and then Sean got out there talk talking about two Holloway and he was saying that you know we be, he not that good or whatever like that so the game was kind of magnified and then you add Xavier where they were screaming zip him up the whole year yeah so you put those together and you got two coaches like that. Yeah, who who really about that game? Like you know, two home isn't Chris Mack from here, right? Yes, he mm-hmm. is. You know, they about that type yeah. of atmosphere, and they know what it's like. Cronin came in there with like an army, army outfit on for us, and, <laughs> like to, you know, to, to, to get us ready. Yeah, it was like, it was like intense. And then what people forget is so we got we was getting whooped. Like we was getting beat by thirty points. We lost that game thirty points, and. The bad part is how it started was backups. Our backup point guard was talking to their starters because we were losing. Yeah. And they were trying, I guess, Xavier was trying to punk our backups. And you're not going to do that. Yancey, I guess Yancey hit two in the head with the ball. Not yeah. the push. <laughs> and then if you look at the fight, if you're watching, I was in front of, <laughs> of uh, Freeze. So, if you can imagine, freeze in front of me, Yancey's on the side How tall is he? He's like, what, 6'11"? 7'5". Yeah, I was going to say, he's close to seven right? but yeah. So, Yancey's on my left, freeze in front of me. <laughs> and it was like a surreal moment. It slowed down because all I seen was a hand swing. <laughs> and then I seen, like, imagine like a seven footer in front of me. I'm six feet tall, so I'm looking up at You're him. Like, Thank God I'm short. Right? <laughs> he would have been right in the middle. I'm looking up at him, and then he went from standing up to laying down. And I'm like, wow. And then that's when it hit me. Like, boy, something going on here. And then I looked around. And it was like a, a big thing. And then Yancey went from here to all the way to the fight on the left. And then we ran over there. It's like, oh. And then what people don't realize is after the fight, we, they fought each other. Because Yancy was upset with the freshman. Like, why did you put me in that situation? Like, y'all, y'all don't supposed to do that. Like, y'all don't supposed to act that way. And it became like this big thing. But off the court. Maybe that summer. We played with them guys again. Oh really? So it was like one of them things where that game. The moment. That that game is like it's intense. Do you still go? Like I can't go if it's out of Xavier, but I can go. <laughs> <laughs> you I can go, or you I, won't? I can't go. <laughs> I can't. I can't go to that school.
4: Next up, we have Dan from Haunted Cincinnati uh, talking about some of his
7: experience in the basement of Bobby Mackey's. These voices would say things. and I'll tell you what. The reason it was above a regular haunting was they would inherently know things about you that regular human spirits don't just know things about you. And they would say it and play it. Whatever your deepest, darkest secret was or fear, they would play it against you. Uh, we had nights where we sat down in that basement doing, like, group vigils, trying to contact whoever was there, and we would get voices out of thin air, and I remember a night where a girl's name came up, and it started saying little bits of, of words about an abortion she had, and her father, her mother and her were in there together and got in a fight inside the basement of Bobby Mackey's because the mother never knew about the abortion that just came out by a spirit voice. How weird is that? Wow. Or we had a ghost tour we took a guy in there who was very cynical. He came on the tour and was just a complete ass from the beginning. Like, this is fake. I'm going to expose you. Like, hey, this is for fun. You make up your own mind. We got to Bobby Mackey's where we used to go. We went to the basement. And this guy's like 50 years old. And in the middle of us giving the tour in the basement, he he ran out of the thing, out of there crying outside. So I asked the people that were with him. There was a couple standing there near the dressing rooms downstairs. And they said, what happened? I don't know, that guy over there is standing in the doorway of the dressing room and says, how are you doing? And this guy freaks out and runs outside. So I said, who? Who said it? And they go back over to that area and they can't, we go through the whole basement, we can't find the person that they saw. So I go outside and ask the guy, what happened? Why are you so upset? Man, I don't know what's going on right now, but I swear to you, I just saw, as real as you and me, my dead father from head to toe. And he was standing in the doorway and he asked me, how are you doing? What? The couple that was there thought it was so real that it was one person on the tour or something and they didn't realize I guess it was a ghost they saw and I didn't see it. But we had to like kinda tell them like that place is where that would happen. Like it's not necessarily your dead father, but they will mimic and it seems like they would play that against you. Yeah. Or we would get people to come along and they would hear the voice of their dead relative come through on a recording. Like you have to be careful, that's not really it's like a perversion, that's not your dead relative. They're whatever however it works, I don't know, but It opens up some kind of like trust or emotion, and then that opens you for an attachment. I'm not sure how it works.
3: Here's one of my favorite episodes with local
2: sports broadcaster Mo Egger and his Andy Griffith story. Yes, his remembrance is his connection of Andy Griffith to baseball on WTBS and WGN.
8: When Andy Griffith died, I didn't grow up in the 50s or 60s when that show was on the air, but I grew up in the 80s. When the Chicago Cubs came on television every day at 2 o'clock. Every single day. Right. And you came inside and you watched Harry Carey and Steve Stone. And then at 7.40, the Braves came on. On WGN, when Cubs games would end, they would go to the Andy Griffith Show. (laughs) On WTBS at 7 o'clock before Braves Baseball was the Andy Griffith Show. (laughs) So when I hear that song, I think to myself, baseball either just ended or it's about about to come come on." on.
4: And next up is Rob the Bomb Williams. He uh, started his wrestling career here in Cincinnati and tells a story about uh, being on WWE uh, Raw's War at US Bank Arena. So this is this is in Cincinnati, right? That's in Cincinnati,
9: US Bank Arena. Let's see
4: here. Uh-oh, so we got X Pac,
9: Just Incredible, and Prince Albert. All right. So in this X match, um, this was the week before they were going to put the tag team belts on X-Factor. They went against the Hardysl with the tag team belts the following week. Okay. So they're coming coming down. They were, they were a heel tag team, but they were still over with the fans. So that's me right here in the yeah. front. Team, Wait, so what was your name there? I didn't see... They put Joe Williams... Because it's just irrelevant. They didn't care who
2: you were, ah, you were just there to, to they didn't make those care guys if you're look up. right. So what's the premise? You're local guys that these guys are coming to. Yeah, they announce us from Cincinnati, so that oh, okay. kind of gets
9: a crowd behind it. And then these guys come in and, and start beating us up. So that's just incredible, <laughs> throwing a haymaker. There he gets me in a headlock. Yeah, nice. All right, I'm trying nice to figure out how, shorts. Yeah, I'm gonna try to figure out how I'm gonna work this, and then and I'm gonna in, th- I'm gonna throw him into the ropes. Rob okay, okay, in the red rope. shorts here. Yeah, red trunks. On Okay, so then I do a hip toss. There he feeds go. back up, and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna ring his arm a couple times, try to, try to weaken the arm.
4: You're crushing
9: it. Now I'm gonna <laughs> tag in. So this is another local guy, no uh, Chris Harris. Lose. So then oh, okay, Chris so Harris that's... comes in, and then the matches. He takes the brunt of the the beating here coming up. So oh he, yeah. So uh, X Pac pulled the rope down. Chris tumbled to the floor. There's some double team effort there. Yeah, and that's going to leave a mark in the morning. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably why Chris doesn't have any
3: children—at
9: <laughs> least that he knows about. Yeah. Our partner is also Doug Basham, um, who end up uh, becoming kind of a, a big tag team name in uh, the SmackDown show. Man, whoa! Threw him into yeah, the so ring. Prince Albert is a massive guy—the the big bald guy right here that you see. He is the head trainer now in the WWE developmental system at, at NXT. Oh, okay. So he trains all the talent when they first come in. So X-Pac, DX, NWO, all, all that. And he was kind of the leader of this uh, this faction here. Super nice guy. He he really was a, a great guy to, look to like work it. with. <laughs> and in the ring, he wasn't such a nice guy. So then he goes for cover. Chris kicks out.
4: So you're just hanging out on the sidelines
9: waiting just to get tagged. Just hanging on the side. Yeah, I need to be tagged yeah, in. Come
4: on, buddy. I need some air time yeah,
9: exactly. here. <laughs> yeah, he's letting me down. So this is what's known as heat. They're getting the heat on, on uh, Chris, the, the baby face. So this is, uh, this is the Bronco Buster that he's so well known for. Uh,
4: now, yeah, so you got another guy's crotch in your face. I know, that, <laughs> I know that's not you, but I mean... Yeah, not so enjoyable. That's not so enjoyable.
1: Take
9: <laughs> <laughs> it down a notch. Right, absolutely. Oh. No. Yeah, so a modified powerbomb. Good no, uh, thing he kicked out. <laughs> yeah, now he's laying the boots to him. So now the big guy, Prince Albert, comes in. And he is a massive guy. Uh, after he left WB, he went on to make a name for himself in Japan. And, uh,. The guy that I mentioned before, Chad Allegra, became Carl Anderson, became his tag he from Cincinnati, the guy moved from, from Asheville, went on to be his tag team partner in Japan. Huh. So there he just uh his big bucks in Japan? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Alright, so he uh, laid a shot on us so Chris couldn't tag us in. Chris starts firing back. Oh, uh, in a boot to the midsection. Uh oh. This is not gonna be good. No uh, chicken wing into uh into a slam.
4: I mean, they practiced that move beforehand, or no, is that just no something practice, everybody knows?
9: Just you, you, he knows he can do it. He probably, maybe, had done it in training. Um,
2: but you know early what's early coming, on. right? Um, sort of. No, I mean, real, uh, no, we know how to react to it. You know how to react. Once it, it starts, you're like, okay, this is going so yes. to happen. Yes. Okay.
9: Or sometimes mm-hmm. they will will, will kind of mouth what's going to happen. You kind of know, uh, so you know what to to expect. All right, yeah. I, mean, I so heard this the...
4: double clothesline. Oh, now they're man. down. Man, he took out X Pac in
9: there. Yeah, thing. absolutely. So now the crowd starts to react. They think that the local Cincinnati guys Here are going to make go. a
10: comeback.
4: Are you guys going to bash him in? A couple clotheslines, a couple drop kicks. Is this going to be as upsetting as you see Xavier in the uh, <laughs> tournament <laughs> the, uh, this year?
9: Yeah, very, very similar to that. So at this point, I decide I'm going to take out the big guy and, and try to. Try to help our team win. That's not a good idea. No, he's back so on the outside, and then he just I catches just me. <laughs> oh, no.
4: And then he
9: rams me in, wow. and I'm done for the rest of the evening.
3: Another one of our favorite episodes comes from one of our favorite FC Cincinnati players, as Jimmy McLaughlin talks about the changes that he thought were going to be coming if the club made it to the MLS, which maybe he could see into the future. Hmm, weird.
11: Uh, I mean, we used to take these, like, little team vans to the airport and stuff. Now we take a coach bus. I mean, just, like, kind of uh, little things like that that don't seem like a big deal, like, even in terms of, like, gear or, like, if something rips or something, like, you had to kind of deal with it. Like, now you'll get something new. Um, Like, all that stuff is is so much better. Like, the day-to-day stuff, everything like that is all figured out. And, yeah, even in terms of just, like, going around the town and stuff, like, I remember the first season, like, we were kind of almost – like, selling the team in a sense, you know? Like, I think every person on that year one team played a big part of, in helping gr- grow this team and spending time with, time with the fans and, and going to a bunch of different crazy appearances at the Auto Expo. <laughs> All these little things that seem like maybe they, they don't matter, um, I think played a, a big role in what has happened. And, and now we're going to bigger things. I mean, I, I'm getting invited to... Um, I, Things that people know about. I don't, I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, and obviously, like, the, the recognition and stuff is something that, that also comes with it, which is super flattering and really cool. And, uh, it's, it's honestly crazy just to see how much it's, it's grown. I mean, we used to take, I don't know, like eight connecting flights to get to, philadelphia now we fly straight so
1: uh, little
11: things like that like that maybe don't seem like a big deal it's
4: like they're preparing for the mls or something
11: it's funny you know it's like they're starting to do things the right way more professionally and
7: well speaking of that how does it compare now to your time at union is it is it is fcc operating at a a similar level or they're still pretty far off
11: yeah i mean definitely similar i mean i since I've left Philly, I mean, they obviously have made big strides right. as well, um, but my first few years in, in Philly, we, we didn't have a, a practice facility, which was, we, we had to drive to a local park that I guess the, the team owned or rented mm-hmm. or, or leased or whatever, and then by my last two years in Philly, they had their own practice facility and everything. But now they have yeah. this beautiful yeah. locker room. The power and, plant. Right? Yeah. yeah. Weight room and whatever you need. But, um, I mean, I'd say FC Cincinnati at this point is kind of on the same level the Union was my first year there. Like an MLS expansion site is how you'd describe it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, but the thing is, obviously, I think if the MLS bid comes, things will also change dramatically. Yeah. Um, I mean, the budget for the team is going to skyrocket, everything will change. Um, it would be much, much nicer. But I think even right now it's uh, it's close to maybe the lower MLS teams in, term of, in terms of just general amenities and everything like that. But I will say that just the overall recognition that the team has here is probably more significant than a lot of MLS teams. I honestly believe that. I mean, I remember we would go out on the town in Philly and we'd go to some bar or something and you're talking <laughs> to some girl or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I play for the Philadelphia Union. They're like... The teachers' union? like (laughs) They didn't know, you know? Like, like, in a lot of these cities, the MLS teams are not a a major team. But here, everybody knows what FC Cincinnati is. You're the only
4: pro sports team in town.
11: (laughs) (laughs) But there's a buzz here, you know, and and it's different. And uh, I, I think the players don't get the same recognition that we get here in a lot of MLS teams, unless there's lots on Ibrahimovic or something. Right. So I think that's a, a cool, unique experience about playing here as well.
4: As the, uh, since he Jack white nerd, I had to, uh, make sure we pulled the clip from, uh, Jason Snell from, we have become Vikings. Uh, he met Jack white, Jack white came to his apartment one time. So he told us that little story. Enjoy. <laughs> Um, I get a text from Patrick. He's like, hey, man,
12: we're on our way over. Like, you know, and I'm kind of like, what do you mean we're on? You know, like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, we'll be there soon. And I'm like, who's we? And he's like, Jack and I. And I'm thinking like little <laughs> Jack and him. I'm like, that's cool. Straighten up the place a little bit. And all of a sudden he goes, he goes, he like he texted back and he's like, like Jack White. That's what I mean. I'm like, oh, like, he's coming to my
1: house? Like, what? Like, you know,
12: like, Seven Nation Army, everything's out right now. And I'm just like, this dude's coming to my house? Like, oh, my shit. what's up? And so I'm like, cleaning my shit. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, does he, like, should I get weed or, like, what? Like, I don't know. Any, I don't really know too much about him. like right, you don't like, want to be a dork. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, do, I, Jack do any, like, what does he drink? And he's like, man, he didn't want any of that stuff. And I'm like, and I and I, I had like already text some people, I'm like, oh, uh, never mind. Like he's you know, like, good. Like, no, no, no. So man, it was so surreal. Like, you know, he shows up on my doorstep and got the wide brim hat and dude, just looks up and like He's like in character. Uh yeah, no, that's, like, like, that's yeah. how he is. He doesn't mm-hmm. like leave the house, man, unless he's like that's who he is, man. Like I guess he goes to bed and that's you know he yeah. is who he knows who he is. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh <laughs> no, it was it was awesome and and um It was one of those things where, uh, man, just, like, a super nice dude, like, came Mm. in. Patrick was like, see you later. Sat on the couch. And I'm like, uh. And I'm like, I don't, you know, Patrick was kind of like, you know, he wants to revamp the Third Man website. And I'm like, cool, you know? like. So I had a little studio in my house, and I'm like, you know, Jack White starts playing my piano. And I'm like, dude, this is so cool. And he asked me about, this is where I went wrong. He asked me about this, like, attenuator thing for this amp. And he's like, how does this, you know, do you like this and everything? I should have been like take it with you. Check it out. Yeah. I'll swing by your house and pick it up later <laughs> kind of thing. And yeah. I did, and I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you, know, you were doing the wave yeah. ahead. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah, I should have been like, no, here, put this on your... You're like, no. I'll see you later. You're know? <laughs> probably going to take it apart and show you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excuse- all the workings. Yeah. Right, and then that's the excuse for me to show up on his doorstep. Yeah. Like, I'm here for my attenuator, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... You know, I fixed it <laughs> coffee filter I when, threw away two yeah. weeks ago. Like, who's this fat bastard at my door, man? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know but I was like, so what I didn't realize is I'm like kind of show him all the video stuff and the illustration stuff. And he's like, Oh, that's cool, man. And I'm kind of like, yeah, like I'm doing all this stuff. And he keeps asking website questions. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that's super easy. Like you should get like a bunch of interns to do this stuff. And I'm talking myself out of the job for him. He's like, Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And then I'm trying to, I'm trying to show him like all this like creative stuff I'm doing. He's like, and I'm, and I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, he's probably like, he doesn't want to hear any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. And um, you know, I'm young. I don't, I don't know. So I, it was funny. I kind of yeah. talked. I think Patrick's sitting there going, like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And I'm like talking. So I'm like, yeah, you can just get some young kids into this stuff. And I, yeah. I kind of talked myself. Out of the gig, right? right. So you yeah. he probably hear that creative stuff all day and just keeps getting hit with it. Yeah, and you don't even think about that. I know, right? I didn't just, at all. I could make a
6: depression, <laughs> and
12: that was me. But I was, I played it cool when he left. I was like geeking out, right? Yeah, like I was like, I was like, I played it cool. And then it's funny. Like <laughs> two months later, um, one of my best friends, Andrew, who uh, played with Greenhorns keyboards, mm-hmm. um, did a lot of session work. lived in Nashville down there at the time. Got a session work uh, for like actually for. Um, uh, oh Ben Folds, he traveled the yeah. world with him um oh, man. Uh, a lot of stuff with uh, uh Joe Costa who runs mm-hmm. RCA, RCA Studio A which was Ben's studio which Elvis and all those dudes like did wow. all the stuff down there all any of the big like um orchestra stuff was all all recorded there which is super cool mm-hmm. and so we go down there and it's um oh it's uh one of the and tours um birthday kid's birthday and we're like yeah man we're down here we'll swing by mm-hmm. and do like all the rock stars were there right huh. and we're walking up, man party. and jack white's just it's like you know suburb kind of thing jack white's sitting on the front porch by himself his hat and his glasses on it looked like he was whittling but i don't know I don't, <laughs> yeah, he was
13: building and, a guitar yeah yeah right right <laughs> yeah. exactly man and, yeah. and
12: and we're kind of walking up and i go and i look at him like hey and he goes He's kind of doing this to everybody. And he goes, oh, hey, man. So I'm like, oh, you remember me. All right, you remember the big guy. So I was <laughs> like, <"Yeah>, that's <laughs> cool.
2: My former college classmate Scott Sloan from WLW stopped by. And uh, one of the funny stories he told was about how Bill Cunningham tried to hire him.
14: I'm doing midday because McConnell then was doing five hours and they only want you know, three-hour talk. Yeah, so it's too much. We need somebody to fill those two hours. So I auditioned a couple of days. And they're like, had, like what I had. To, I don't remember what I did. But anyway, I come in and Bill Cunningham at the time was the operations manager. Now, if you listen to Bill's show, Bill has essentially become his character. Yeah. You know, that screaming maniac. So I didn't know anything about this. I'm up in Toledo. You know, there's that Mason Dixon line in Ohio, which is about Columbus. And I sit in the office. He goes, well, that sounded pretty good. So uh, where, where do you see yourself five years of anywhere, young man? And I go, well, I think, hold on. Sorry, man, there's food coming. Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. There's cake. And he's running down the hall. I'm like looking around in this office. And he just disappears. I'm like, that, that's kind of weird. So he comes back. And um, Mr. ADHD sits back down. All right, where were we? He's eating cake. His crumbs file. Are we on some cake? I'm like, I'm good. Just watching you is making me ill. <laughs> and he sits down. And he goes, all right, we we're talking about this. Now, what would it take for you to come down here? Where, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I think when I went, hold on just a second. There's the segment. And he's running down the hall chasing Johnny Bench or whoever it was. I'm like, and and then finally, you go, like, I, I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I just get up and leave. And then he calls me later. He goes, well, we were talking before, before I was interrupted with important programming matters. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not working for you. You're a lunatic, <laughs> and and you could tell he was crushed because nobody turns them down. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't know what the opportunity was. I'm like, seriously, I'm going to work for this this idiot. There's no way in hell. And then a couple of years later, the, a real manager called me. Right. And yeah. So I had to play hard. To I get. thought it was honestly. I thought it was like
2: getting punked or something like that.
14: I was waiting for <laughs> Ashton Kutcher to walk out from behind a couch or something.
2: So. Yeah. Dean Regus from the Cincinnati Observatory stopped by. We weren't really sure how all well this was going to go. It ended up being me and Dan Stryley, our Loveland store manager, interviewing him. We'd seen him in clips on Channel 19, but who knew he was hysterical? Space is out to kill
1: us.
10: <laughs> you anywhere you go, right. you have you're 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 setting yourself up for a life of hardship and trying not to die every second of your life. Right. This is not like when people discovered America. Right. This is not like yeah, when yeah, people yeah. went to. <laughs> and I know there's some correlations. You say, oh, well, people, when they we, come we, to America, they didn't ever expect to go back and all right. that. I don't but think. there's still sunshine so, and water yeah, yeah. and rocks and trees and, and animals that try to eat you. Stuff you've yeah. seen before. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> as smart as, as uh, uh, Stephen Hawking was, he was a big proponent of like we need to find another Earth. We right. need to find a safety valve to get off the Earth, and I think that is ridiculous, <laughs> because, okay, so let's find a, Let's send people to Mars. We're going to save the human race. We're going to send a few hundred people to Mars. All right, well, great. What about the other seven billion? Thanks a lot for thinking of us. I really appreciate <laughs> that. There's no feasible way we're going to send seven billion people off of our planet anywhere. Mm. Uh, so
15: so as, as a relief valve, it's it's ridiculous really, in a relief I valve. I think
10: if we're looking for uh, you know efficiency, let's it's a lot cheaper to save our Earth than to colonize Mars. I agree. We did so, such a
2: great job here.
10: What could go wrong there? Well, <laughs> again, when we mess up Mars, then where we're going to go? We're yeah. going to go to Jupiter. So, uh, so I, I'm so I'm a little different camp on that. I think exploration Mars is awesome as exploration and as just. Uh, There are so many things that could be found out on Mars that I'm really curious about. The idea of could there have been life there. The rovers and the orbiters can find out a whole lot of information, but there's certain things that humans could do better.
3: FC Cincinnati player Kenny Walker stopped by to talk about being the top play on SportsCenter and his encounter with David Beckham when he played for the LA Galaxy. But I
16: think for me, like, I remember my first day being in, like, the, I guess, clubhouse, but the just lounge area, and then Bex walked in the door, and that was the first time I was ever, like, starstruck. And I couldn't (laughs) say, like you said, what's up? And I was just kind of, I'm pretty sure I just stared at it. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience coming from playing college and then going into a level where, Players have played at World Cups and some of the highest levels you can play at. So it was fun for me. I mean, it was an experience I'll never forget. But uh, like that caliber of player and when they bring those kind of guys together, it's something that's special.
4: If you guys have listened this far, you might be ready for a drink. Well, get ready because Molly Wellman has her perfect mojito recipe.
17: When I make a mojito, I like to use real sugar. I like that the way it does. I put I take lime juice, real sugar, and mint and ice and rum and I shake it all together. I don't muddle the mint either. You don't? No, because it'll I don't like how bitter it turns the mint. But there's some people who will take that mint and lime and, and sugar or simple syrup and muddle it all together and then add their rum and then top it off with ice and soda. But for me, I like to put the mint in and then strain it over a new ice. So it's, they don't have bits of bruised mint in there turning bitter.
18: Caught in your teeth. Exactly. (laughs) I
17: like it to be really bright with fresh lime and real sugar. I like the real sugar instead of simple syrup for a mojito because when you're drinking it, it's not like all sweet. It's like little bursts of sweetness that come through, through the lime and the rum. And then that mint is so fresh in your face and your nose. It's awesome.
2: Randy Rico off of Weather was here. Uh, she's from my hometown, and uh, we asked her, what well, we had to, about climate change.
19: It's happening. I, I I, am a climate change believer. I feel like we, a lot of meteorologists, we were all kind of late to jump on, not late to jump on board, but took the time to analyze the data, because um, I'm, this is a podcast, you guys can't see my hand, but... You know, they we haven't been keeping weather records for all that long. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 1888 spe- or something. Right. Like and that. that's like and, and to think of the technology changes between now and then versus someone writing with a pencil on paper hoping that they got it right. You know what I mean? So to look at weather information over the last 100, 150 years, whatever we have, that's only a small snippet of climate, right? And so if you look at a chart There are always ups and downs. It kind of goes like a chevron pattern up and down for people who aren't watching me do this with my finger. So (laughs) you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what the little segment is going to be. So you don't know if, you know, in that 150 years, if we were on an upswing of what is generally an up and down trend. Um, So you wanted to wait till more, you had more time and more information. And a lot of people, you know, you don't want them to extrapolate off of one segment that's going up. Like you can't say, oh, there were a lot of hurricanes back in the year that Katrina hit. So obviously, this is what's happening. You know, you can't use a one year or, you know, uh, as a, as a example. So yes, the, uh, climate is changing. Yes. Humans have a huge impact on that. And yes, there are things that we can possibly do or need to start doing to limit the effects of that. You know, there, there are ways to change. There are things that we can do and super smart people can come up with awesome things that, that are, you know, ways to minimize our impact. So I, yes. So does it factor
2: a lot into your job, or you're you're dealing still more with the symptoms, the actual day-to-day right? And
19: that's the whole thing. I'm not a climatologist. I am a meteorologist. I deal one week at a time.
2: Mike Mathis was an NBA referee
3: for many years, beloved by most players. Charles Barkley wasn't one of them. Here's that story. So part of the golf event that uh, we'll get into here in a minute, uh, at one time we did a, a big gala the night before at the Reds. The stadium and uh i was trying to find audio clips about mike mathis to
1: play at this
3: event and the one that i found was charles barkley check out this audio
20: clip we lost this game because of one reason mike mathis and that's it i ain't gonna say nothing else he's been a he's a bad official he's been bad the whole time i've been in the league i hate he f- came back and he cost us this game tonight he cost us this game tonight, and I hate he back in the league. And that's all I got to say.
3: How did this uh, – I mean, I, I know you, so I know about the, the love-hate relationship that you had <laughs> with Sir Charles. But how did that start, and, and what is it – how was it evolved to today?
16: You know, to be perfectly honest, okay, I, I got to give Charles uh, uh, the commendation that what he did with a six-foot, four-and-a-half-inch body – uh, defies imagination. I mean, he for six, four and a half. Now, that's not a very big player in the NBA. He got more done, okay, by basically being a fighter under the basket and all this kind of stuff and using his body to the utmost. And, uh, but what Charles had in the back of his mind was I'll tell you a funny story about Charles, but anyway, he had in the back of his mind that he wanted to be like Mike. Okay. He wanted to be like Mike. If Mike was doing this in Vegas, Charles wanted to do it. Okay? Okay. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. I do. Okay, if Mike did this with women, Charles wanted to do it. Okay. But the whole nine yards was everything like Mike. And uh I had heard at one time, uh at a captain's meeting, Charles Barkley for Phoenix, Michael Jordan for and the captain's meetings mean nothing. You guys got anything? No. Okay, let's go. It was just a formality. But anyway, I come out there, and the first thing out of Charles' mouth, the mic was, uh, "Hey man, when are you gonna get me on the bulls? When are we gonna be? When are we gonna play together?" Mike just stood there like this and looked at him and, <laughs> and <laughs> shook his happening. shook his head like that ain't happening. He said, "Why, man? Come on." He says, we win championship because it's a team game. Well, that told me everything I wanted to hear. But anyway, he and I didn't get along because basically what it comes down to, he wanted special favors. And the one thing I made a career of was the fact that I treated the 12th man sitting on the end of the bench that never got to play much. When he got in the game, I treated him the same as I treated Michael Jordan. We
4: knew Frank Marzullo was going to come in and have some entertaining stories, but dang, we didn't think he uh, would have one about uh, prize fighter Butterbean. Check this out; it uh, is crazy.
21: Huge tell right, so, so. Oh, two thousand. You ever hear Butterbean? Yeah, the, the boxer. big boxer, yeah. Oh, yeah, wrestler, yeah, yeah. like four hundred and twenty-two pounds, five yeah, eleven. That's all. He huge. Did. <laughs> so two thousand Cinco de Mayo two thousand six, he's in Youngstown and he's coming on the show and we're interviewing him right. That's when I was in Youngstown. Oh no! And so it was a taped interview. He was late, and so we taped it to air like on the new news. So he comes in, and we're standing at the weather wall at the green screen, and there's a picture. You know, there's graphics behind us. And I'm interviewing him right, and I'm just I like this. I don't know. I was I was I had to eat a cracker back then. I was like one thirty five, I think. Like I was a skinny little little. Pipsqueak. And so I'm standing there and I'm interviewing a guy and this guy's huge. And he was a little, he was a little, you know, loudmouth and whatnot. You know, I'm asking, I'm asking, so what is this extreme? It was, she was in extreme fighting at the time. Like, what is this? It's like a combination of wrestling or, you know, boxing. And, you know, I'm like, hiya like, you know, just like goofing around <laughs> with him a little bit. And the guy picks me up, puts me in a headlock, right? None of this is planned. Puts me in a headlock, and he's still, and I, again, I'm not watching, I I didn't watch a lot of rest. I mean, I watched Hulk Hogan as a kid, but I didn't really get when he was saying tap out, what's that mean? Yeah.
22: Like, this was not planned.
21: And so he's saying tap out, and he's like, oh, and he goes right. I pass out, eyes roll behind my head, like, no. roll back. No. No. He releases me, I go crashing down on the concrete floor. <laughs> now, we would do stunts and stuff at the show, like, my, my, Co-anchors all, thought this was all planned, right? I had foam coming out of my mouth. They thought I had Elka seltzer in my mouth. The camera guy's in. This is before YouTube and I'm like, now our YouTube had just started. Camera guy zooms in on me, right? And he steps over me, Butterbean, and goes, uh, Join me at the arena Saturday night, whatever, you know. Right? <laughs> this is the plug. <laughs> and I come to and I am like... What the heck just happened? And, 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 and I and I and I and I and I see the red light on, and I'm like, oh, we're on. And so I'm like, eh, like smiling, giving this weird smile. And he he's just kind of laughing. Nobody says anything. They think I was. So I walk downstairs, and people downstairs didn't realize that we were you know, we were taping. It wasn't loud. They're like, what's wrong with you? And I just pass out. They rush me to the hospital. I had a concussion. Whoa,
1: <laughs> it was man.
21: it was awful. So that night on I mean, the and this was like before social media really.
23: Yeah, where's the footage? We yeah, well, they me, me this? There's a somewhere.
21: DVD of it, yes, and I have to. And so there was a the lawsuit and all this stuff going on. Like it was during sweeps, and I was off the air. The station, there was a like I couldn't really profit off. You know, not that you would profit off of it, but like sure. send it out and get publicity out and stuff. So. <laughs> I emailed the – actually, just a couple weeks ago, I, I emailed the attorney. Uh, it was a buddy of mine up there. I said, hey, you got to go back in your files. I'm fine. I need this now. Like, we need to upload this stuff." But – um sure. Oh, yeah. So, that night on the 630 News, there was me in the – what we call – like, so the box over the anchors is called an OTS, over the shoulder. Yeah. So, like, you see house fire or, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. shootout, you know. And it was my face, you know, and it said, <laughs> Marzullo resting. Like, you know, like, he's resting comfortably at home because the guy went on – nobody would have known about it, but he went on the radio station and said, oh, yeah, I just kicked the weatherman's butt, you you know, and all oh, it, was, it was a mess. He ended up like pulling out. He didn't wrestle in the match that weekend. And, yeah. Oh, wow. Please. But then he filed for bankruptcy. I, I won the case. So I didn't get any money out of it, though.
3: The greatest catcher of all time, Johnny Bench, stopped by in one of our most downloaded episodes. We talked about his career in Oklahoma, and he told us this story about the terrible car accident that he was in. It was fascinating stuff we'd never heard before.
15: My buddy I played American Legion ball with, Oh, I was playing in uh, Wichita. So I drove up to Wichita to watch him play. And I told, promised my brother I would come back. He was in Oklahoma City. I promised him I would come back and stay with him. So I got in the car and I'm driving back on the interstate. And uh, 70 miles an hour, I'm just, there's the truck. I pulled out behind, past the truck. Here's the drunk driver on the wrong side. And it was a big 98 Oldsmobile. I hit the brakes, went right, hit me right in the door. Uh, Galaxy 500 folded up like a V. I guess the first car was a was a, a doctor, and I, I regained consciousness. Consciousness getting into the ambulance, and I'm thinking, "Don't let me die, Mom and Dad will be so sad." And I get to the get to the hospital, and the doctor comes in and said, "Son, you've got the biggest bones I've ever seen in my life." He said, "Every other human being would be would not walk out of here; they'd be in a wheelchair probably the rest of their lives." He said, "But you'll pay the price." So, you know, I went to Carolina League. I went to Instructional League after that. And, uh, that was part one. And of course, you know, today, you know, I am paying the price. I've got two artificial hips and everybody thinks it's from catching, but it, it's has six bad disc and stuff. And, but, um, it was, uh, international league. And then I get called up to, bu- at, uh, at the end of 67 at 19. So it was pretty cool. Cause Gary Nolan was 19 and we were roommates and two 19 year olds as the battery for the reds. Wow. How far that, uh, wreck set you back. Well, I, it, it happened in uh, September, and I, I reported uh, instructionally in October.
17: Wow, I mean, that's so, incredible!
15: I mean, I'll tell you, I did. You I know I did because then? when I when I when I got to, we were playing a mixture of team. We were playing with the Astros and the Reds were combined, and we were in Clearwater, Florida. And my, my Gary Nolan mm-hmm. came down. It's the first time I ever saw you. He said you were you were saying it If I had a hammer. <laughs> and I'm singing in there. Was still had McCurcom, basically on my head, and I was still shaved head. And you know, I got scars here and scars on my shoulder. And, and drunk was fine.
2: Bit of a strange one this episode of the Ronnie Salerno. It's actually half talking about the old Cincinnati Comets of the American Soccer League, and half about abandoned stuff in Cincinnati. Uh, Ronnie tells us how he got involved in uh, following defunct sports teams.
8: It was the weekend that Mad Tree opened. Uh, When they moved to their new location in Oakley or or right right off Madison. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go meet some friends and we were going to go there for the grand opening. And I happened to be just like Googling something on my phone. I wanted to read about old soccer teams um, in Cincinnati. And like there was not much about the Comets. And I had a subscription at the time to like this newspaper archive service. And I just happened to Google them on there. And there was this article about how they were playing a, a team from England at Nippert Stadium in like 1973. Mm-hmm. And like the rest of my day was just this <laughs> rabbit hole. Me. Yeah. Oh my God, me. Ne- <laughs> never made it to the brewery. Never ended up <laughs> hanging out with any friends. I left once to go get Skyline down the street and the whole time just looking at my phone reading these old articles. So wow. There was like there was like a small Wikipedia page entry form. Like they existed for these years. Yeah. Not much happened. Yeah, they yeah. came and they went. And then I'm reading all these articles and you know, it's... In the grand scheme of history, it's really nothing. But for me, like I just never heard about these guys before.
2: I used to work Duke Sinatra on the Gary Burbank show on WLW. I did not know that he used to call the other hosts as Marge Shot and prank them before getting hired on full time by Gary, who wasn't fooled.
13: Well, I started. I, yeah, actually, I started doing Marge before before Gary even knew who I was. Before, uh-huh. yeah. Somewhere I've got a cassette tape of, like, some prank calls to,
1: huh.
13: uh, maybe one to McConnell and about eighty to Cunningham, <laughs> and as and, large, uh, yeah, and a couple to Gary. But I wasn't like pranking him. I was, you know, yeah, yeah. But Gary didn't know it was me. But he knew it was a shtick. Huh? He, he, yeah, he, he knew. He knew. Something was calling. <laughs> he knew he knew was someone Wait, was calling and imp- impersonating Marge. But Cunningham and McConnell didn't, or you did? they didn't. No, I mean they had no reason to know. I wasn't working there at the time. I know this but they, was before. But,
2: they, but did they think it was someone
13: calling up just doing a voice, or did they really think? No, that... I pretty much made it really? obvious that it was Marge. Yeah. Oh my god, that yeah. is so funny. I'd never heard that story. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then one day I did it, and I I had done one earlier in the day, but then I called in to ask Andy. And as Doc's put me on hold, he's like, Duke, are you are you Marge? Uh-huh. And you got yeah, you got me, you got me. And I think that, that helped in getting That's me hired. Uh, yeah. Can you give us a little taste? Or is that- hey honey, how
23: you
4: doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds okay. just like her. <laughs> Uncanny.
3: The lovable local legend, Lance McAllister, uh, sat down with us to talk about his history of playing sports. And, uh, this clip, uh, referencing former UC basketball coach, Bob Huggins.
22: Bob Huggins and I used to go round and round. And a lot of it would be things that Huggins would hear second or third hand. It was like the telephone game. And by the time it got to him, what he heard was, I said this, when in reality, I said that. Yeah. And I would always say, Bob, call me. Call, call. if you have a problem, call me and ask me. If you go back to the year uh, Kenyon broke his leg, they were a, the, the, the selection committee—they should—they were the number one team in the country. The selection committee made him a two seed because Kenyon wasn't going to be available for the tournament. Right. And I remember Huggins on his on his radio show that night was whining and complaining, and I can't believe the tournament committee did this and it's not fair, it's not fair. And I went on the air the next day and I killed him. I said, Bob, you've got a team to coach. Nothing—you can't change anything about what the committee did. You've got a game on Thursday. Get your team ready for that game and stop complaining about what the committee did. And, and that night he went on his radio show and, and he said, I didn't know the difference between a basketball and a beach ball and people should boycott my show and i called him the next morning i get into the station i called him must have been eight o'clock and that phone rings and rings and rings and rings it was his home and nobody was answering and i got i started thinking oh man he's asleep i said i better hang up because he's going to answer and he's going to be mad well just as i got ready to hang up he said hello (laughs) i'm like oh crap said hugs it's lance and i'll never forget he said why are you killing me I said, Hugs, I'm not killing you. I said, here's what I said. I said, I think you were. And I went on to explain. Why? And at the end, he was like, all right. Local newsman Bob Herzog stopped
4: by. He had some great stories to tell. Uh, One about his uh, early days in uh, radio. They had a sister station in Dry Ridge,
23: Mix 106.5, which is now, I think, 106.7. I think they moved up the dial a little bit. But anyway, country station.
3: I think my next-door neighbor owns that station. <laughs> Get out of Dodge! Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I love He it. owns a country. It's like an old country yeah. radio like, station in dry Ridge. That's it. it, it it's like general, both kinds. Because right? now it's
23: classic How country. they like yeah, go, got country <laughs> and western. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There um, <laughs> go. But, and so when I got this job, <laughs> they then wanted the news person for both 1160 and Mix 106.5 to do the stuff out of dry Ridge. At the time, I was in Florence. And so... I I'm like okay. They offered me the job because I became their news director. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like 22 or 21. I don't know. I know absolutely nothing about anything in the world, but I still have I still have a business card that says Mix 106.5 Bob Herzog News Director.
4: That's awesome. Oh wow.
8: Hilarious, right?
4: Um, <laughs> so that's your dad. And so
8: that's
2: and, and I am a news director now. You you know? Facts. This to you. It's <laughs> 1995. You, you may
4: have heard,
23: but. So I started. I started doing for, for both stations. You know what I mean. During like top and bottom of the hour, I'd come on and do the news, the news bit or whatever. And they some fun stories out of that time. And that was because I was still in school, and so I was going and doing that morning shift before I would go to school all day. And by that time, when I was done, I'm I'm in a play that night at Xavier or whatever, so I'm in rehearsal. You know, you're
3: twenty some years old. You don't
23: care. I was I was doing stuff that I like to do. Yeah. You know what I mean. So at all the energy in the world, I'm not sleeping. Ever right? I didn't live on campus. I'm living. I'm, I'm in mom and dad's basement. God, I'm this living. A, I'm living the dream,
3: man. This story I'm, too. I'm just. I'm, just
23: I'm, I'm, li- I'm living the dream. But so one of my. I got to tell you one of, my, one of my favorite. One of my favorite moments. I'm. I'm still at the Florence location, but I'm doing like I said. I'm doing newscasts for both stations, right? And so I get there one day, and nobody's there. Nobody's in the building. I'm the only one there, and it's locked. And the studio door is locked. And so I call down to the country station down Dry Ridge. And I'm like, hey, I, I can't get in. I can't get in the studio. And they they literally gave me a you're on in five minutes, figure it out. I'm like ah. there's a drop ceiling. I went full I went full Bruce Willis. I, 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 I popped I pop the ceiling tiles out. and I, I, I arm above the thing and I dropped down into the studio. About 30 seconds
4: before I hit the air.
3: That's amazing. It was awesome.
4: Yippee <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: That's
4: right. That's awesome. Yeah, I was getting like a Michael J. Fox Secret of My Success kind of vibe. Strong. Too. Like, strong, uh, strong reference. Yeah, that's oh, a great love reference oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. Changing in the uh the elevator.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <In> the mail
1: room. flexing it out. That's hilarious.
3: You think playing at Nippert Stadium is a hostile environment for a soccer player? Listen to FC Cincinnati goalie Evan Newton talk about playing in South America.
24: You know these other yeah. pres- these other environments. Like I remember, we were in Peru one time playing against Peru in Peru. A bunch of sixteen-year-olds in like a you know USA versus Peru, and there's like 16,000 people there. You know, and it's like what is going yeah. on? Yeah, it's like when Toronto we, came. We in we, the we we showed up to we showed up the training one day, and there's we were in this like little town, and we went to train and the state, the little area, the stadium was, like, full, and we had two armored vehicles there when we got there that were, like, armored guards were waiting and literally stood around the whole field with a shield and AK-47s, and they were standing there, like, just to make sure nothing crazy happened while we were training, you know? Like, and we are like, wow. a bunch of 16-year-old Americans, like, just, like, what is going on? Now, and,
3: at that time, how many <laughs> people would be at, at one of your games here? What kind of a crowd would
24: you join? Uh, I mean, we our games were typically, like, I mean, we were just playing, like, older, t- older, like, club teams from around the Tampa area. And every now and again, we'd, you know, we'd play, like, a college, we'd play college teams, we'd play. So, those are just exhibitions, so you wouldn't, you know, if we had games that were kind of marketed Played around, that, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd, if they are marketed around, you'd get a decent showing, but not 15, not That's even close crazy. to that, you know.
4: Here's a memorable conversation from uh, the dude who do, does my hair, Sam Hills from, uh, High Five Salon. He came in and uh, he told us how he got into uh, becoming a hair stylist, uh, and it's probably uh, not the way you think. I'm asking people, older,
18: wiser people, you know, with some perspective to speak into the situation, and just say, "Here's what's going on. You know me. You know, you know my story. You know my my heart and my passions. Where do you see me headed? You know, and just sort of putting it out there to, to some people." I started to get these really strange confirmations, um, that, uh, that happened. There was three different ones. So, uh, early on it was my buddy Ben and he goes, you know what, man, I've been thinking a lot about this with you. Ben Ben's Ben's, uh, just a really great guy. He goes, I've been praying a lot about this for you. And I don't know if this means anything, but the word hair keeps coming up. And I was like, okay, uh, I have no idea what that means, but, um, Sure. Like, thanks. I'll put it in my crawl, put it on the shelf. Yeah, it's a good play. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, there was no, like, it didn't react. I didn't react to it. I wasn't like, huh, I've always thought about doing that. And then, let's you call had it. always thought about doing that? No, it? I hadn't or, okay. always thought about doing that. So, let's call it a month later, um, getting together with another friend that was a mentor he said, Hey, I had a dream about you the other night. And I said, Yeah, what was that? He goes, Well, I had this dream. It's a little strange, and I don't know what it means, but um, so there's these people lined up, right? And uh, they're all bound up, right? They're like they're lined up in front of, in this line. They're actually in chains. There's chains all over them. And then you step in. Fr- they step in front of you, and you actually are cutting their hair. I know that sounds weird. This is how he's describing it. These chains are falling off, and then uh, they're just sort of exiting the strata. They're exiting the scene. And I was like, and instantly I thought of Ben saying like the hair thing. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, that's super weird. And I'm starting to freak out a little bit because that confirmed something that somebody had said to me earlier. Uh, and then I had a show with Riley. Uh, we we were we were traveling somewhere. I, mean, I feel like we we're in Arkansas on some like old back road, kind of getting to our spot. And uh, he said, "Hey, um, I had this dream the other night that you're a hairstylist." And I said, "You've got to be kidding me!" And at that point, like I just felt like I like it's this three is,
4: separate people.
18: Yeah, that all of which have no idea who the other person is. And none of them had the context for what the other person had said.
4: How far apart were these instances?
18: I would say it was probably over the course of like three to six months.
4: Okay.
18: Yeah. It's fairly recent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, at that point, I just felt like um, if I don't start to at least explore this idea, um, I, I just felt like I need to honor this. Like I need to, I need to at least explore this. Yeah, thing. it's
4: your destiny or Yeah,
18: something. so I started to, um, so I started to like <laughs> research like hair school. How does this work? You know, like Google, just throwing things into Google. Like, how much money does a hairstylist make? What is what is a future of a hairstylist look like? <laughs> and uh, and started to build this case. And um, I went into uh, to get information on the hair school.
3: And I ended up just signing up that day. If you've ever been to Montgomery Inn, you've seen all the cool photos of people who've eaten there. Did you know that James Brown once played a small concert there? It's true. Dean Gregory is here to tell you how it happened.
0: We started doing cigar dinners at the boathouse 25 years ago. We'd had a cigar dinner out back, and that was back at the height of the cigar craze when, it, when it, the resurgence. We would have a five course dinner. We'd have an owner of a cigar company come in every month. And we always had like a three-piece jazz combo out there playing. So I would always tell the girls to answer on the phones. If anybody calls, you know, I'm outside tonight, just take a message or, you know, tell them I'm not here and and get a message, I'll call them back. So about eight o'clock, I'm walking through the dining room and I see James and his wife there. And I walk right up to the table and go, hey, you you know, whatever, and glad to see you back. He goes, we asked for you at the front desk. They told us you weren't here. And I said, James, I have to apologize. We have a a cigar dinner outside. We do this for charity every month. And I explained to him what it was. And his wife goes, do you have a band? I go, we have a three-piece jazz combo out there. And she goes, James, why don't you go out and sing? So... He said he would. And I said, well, you know, finish your dinner or whatever. And, and, and yes, I did pick up their check. <laughs> but it was so cool. We just got done serving. It was probably like 8.30, uh, 8.45. We just got done serving dessert. And James Brown walks out and walks right up to the band, says a few words to them. They break out in his blues number. And James sang for about 45 minutes. And what did wow. people do? Now, I have to tell you, they absolutely loved it. They were in shock. Yeah. But you got open bar all night long. You probably got $25 worth of cigars. You got a five-course dinner. We charged $75 for that. We made about, we had a raffle, too. We probably made about $30 a head. I charged our costs. We probably made about $30 a head for a charity. So after James leaves, all the guys are clapping and thanking me. And they're going, who are you going to have next month? Well, like James was just going to Yeah, <underpriced>. yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that.
3: Bronson Arroyo, former Reds pitcher, stopped by. And before we had a chance to make fun of his antiquated cell phone, he had some good stories to tell us about it, including one that had Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam in it.
25: And Tony Clark, it was his first year, and he was really harping on the fact that it was my first year with the Diamondbacks. And he kept saying, guys, you got to get on the MLB app. you got to get on the MLB app. And then he also was saying, We don't know if a strike's gonna be coming, so you really need to save your pennies. Save your money and get on the MLB app so you can get all the information. And so, about halfway through, I raised my hand. I said, Tony, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth here, bro. I said, You're you're, you're asking me to freaking save all my pennies, but you want me on the MLB app. I said, You know, your phone costs about $800. I got this flip phone, bro. You don't get the fing app. And so, (laughs) he's like, That's it, Bronson. He's like, Somebody in this room buy him a damn smartphone. He said, You and Andrew Luck, or whatever his name is from the the cult. He's like, The only two guys left in sports with flip phones <laughs> but you know the culmination of that was a blend of a lot of things it was it was. I had this deal with Sprint and Time Warner Cable had paired up in 06 at the end of 06 I had done those billboards around town here I don't know if you saw this for Time Warner Cable they were around downtown a little hey, bit and sprint had paired up with them so they had these flip phones this is prior to the uh, smartphones being out that were really ahead of their time you could watch tv on it on this little tiny flip phone you could watch like espn and it would give you directions and stuff so that to me was a really small phone i was like this thing is great so then the iphone comes not long after that and people start going with it i just stay with my thing because i like routine right and i just don't like to come out (laughs) of my routine but at that same time you know i'm now becoming that guy in the locker room who's supposed to be setting an example in talking to these guys about certain things and I'm now realizing that it is it is a, a, a conversation piece to talk to a guy like a Chapman who's gonna walk around in his rookie year with four hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry around his neck, right? Yeah. And it's gonna be like I've seen guys that made forty million dollars in the game and before they even retired they didn't have a penny to their name. Right? Like and so Jeez. that that was a bit of it was, it was it was it was it was small, the battery lasted a long time. I love routine, but now also it's this conversation piece with people. And then as time went on, it just became more and more ridiculous. And I was just like, I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. And so where it actually, it just, it's been, it's been four months maybe. Since uh, I, I was going to say, I was saying wow. I
3: was like,
1: oh Yeah, <laughs> my I, ju- I just
25: got rid of my last one. So I, the, 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 the final straw that broke the camel's back was, well, I said when I retired, I would get one. And then I didn't. And then I said, I think I'm just going to be cool with the flip phone. But I travel a lot, and I'm in co- other countries a lot, and you can't use a flip phone in other countries at all anymore.
3: And are you on the M O B app? Uh, no,
25: I never, I never did make it to the MLB <laughs> But, but I, I also had been texting from an iPad that I had for a lot of years because I realized the iMessage worked in other countries, yeah. so that was kind of my backup thing to use Uber and stuff. And so I had this iPad, and I had been texting people like Eddie Vedder for a long time, for like two years on that, so we could exchange pictures and stuff. And so those people had stopped texting my phone. They would only text me on the iPad, which I had basically you know set that up like yeah. that way. And so then I'm in Seattle this year. not long ago and I was going to go to a Pearl Jam show and I was going to see him in Missoula Montana and I texted Ed and I said hey man I'm with my sister and her husband hey, we probably won't see you tonight in Seattle I know it's going to be crazy you got a lot of people around I'm assuming and but maybe I'll catch you in Missoula Montana when it'll be quiet so I get back to the hotel and after the show and I get a text from him that's like hey man where are you I want to have a beer with your sister and it's like that, that really pissed me off and then two days later I left my, my last flip phone and I lost it in the cab and I was kind of like you know what I, I'm traveling so much it's just, I'm just going to have to succumb to it now and so I went and got the, the, the old five the SE that looks like it's 20 years old too but, but it is there you, go. there you
4: go Hollywood actress Amy Yazbek stopped by uh, she told us about a little uh, Bill Cosby interaction in her life and it didn't go the way you think she thinks.
26: Cosby show was great. Yeah? Tell
4: us about that. Well I'd never been I'd never done I have never done a sitcom
26: before. And like the first sitcom I'm doing with Bill Cosby. Let's just think of him in the old way for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking Bill Cosby, who John was the biggest fan of from I Spy, which is a show from He's a the He's the reason Day. that I
3: got into stand up comedy.
26: Bill Cosby? Yeah. He's Why? my
3: he was like my comedy hero
20: cuz of those albums back in the day like yeah,
3: the, himself, Russell, Bill Cosby himself that, was like yeah. probably the first stand up yeah. I ever saw and I was enamored by how he could tell a story
26: and John was like in love with him and to, so working on a sitcom with John Ritter and Bill Co- I had never done like a four camera thing which is how they're shot that was invented by Lucille Ball's husband Desi Arnaz by the way the four camera and when you're on a when you do a a sitcom There's an audience and there's the usual stages, which would be like Cosby's house, the kitchen, the living room, that kind of thing. And then around the corner, they build another set, you know, for like the scenes that are in just that episode. But you don't see the audience. The audience is watching you on a monitor for the sets that are the swing sets that are outside, And so John and I played husband and wife... And I was big and pregnant and he was a coach and he thought he knew better than Cosby of how to do and he would Cosby was trying to teach me how to tell John just like calm down, calm down, you got this. And John was like, like you know, trying to like coach me and how to breathe and and John kept screwing up his line. Oh, the reason he kept screwing up his line, oh, this is weird. First, John screwed up his line because it was Everything you, John would say. I have this book, and everything I need to know is in this book, from conception to birth. But John kept saying from birth to conception, and then Cosby would laugh, and the audience. We'd oh, I could hear the audience, but I hadn't walked out there like I hadn't like taken a look at it. This is crazy, and then it would happen again and again, and John started sweating, and sweating, and I said, "Jeez, you're sweating like a pig, John." Forgetting I was miked, and the audience was like, "What?" I'm like I like this (laughs) the reason John was sweating is because he couldn't drink caffeine before a show and before the show Cosby said I've got a cappuccino maker (laughs) and we're like that's awesome (laughs) And John's like, Oh, I love cappuccino. He's like, I gotta make one, I'm gonna make one for you. I'm gonna make one for you. (laughs) And I said, okay, and John goes, but you can't put caffeine in it. He goes, No, no, I'm gonna do the decaffeinated. We got decaffeinated, don't we have decaffeinated? We do, that's my Cosby imitation. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm decaffeinated and the caffeine caffeine and the caffeine and and the bing and the bing. And so he so he came back with the two little like little tiny espresso cups with a little foam on top. And John throws it back, and Cosby's like, oh, there's caffeine in there, to me, but not to John. And I didn't tell John, and he's like, after he started sweating, he's like, I don't know what's wrong with me, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm like, Cosby gave you caffeine. And from then on, John and I called him the poisoner.
3: That's hilarious. I
1: know, and John passed away before
26: it all like came out. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of glad John didn't see that. That would have broken his
3: heart. Wayne Box Miller was a guest on our show, and he talked about his early days in radio, including the start of the whiz and uh, Ice Cube dropped by one day.
20: Let Wayne tell you
3: what happened.
20: Jeff Mitchell's the APD, I was the promotions director. He brings in, you know, they used to send all the music on the uh, packages on the UPS truck. And we flip we tear them open, throw this one. Now, nah. No. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's not bad. Oh man. Fire. Go get everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Kumo D Wow Wow West. Yes. And we first heard that literally we went in the studio and said, "After this record, put this on like that, and the phone oh, lines went miss. the phone <laughs> lines went berserk that was the fun part of radio oh, yeah, That's Where you so could great. just I mean so we would be out there waiting on the u p s truck like okay what's what's on the truck What's on the
3: yeah, truck? I remember going to uh record theater in Norwood, yeah you know, a record yeah. Store. And that's, that was like the only memory that I, the only place I ever went to where you might, you might hear something that you, that wasn't on the radio right, because the right. people in the store were the ones who were in charge of what
20: was playing in the store. And we would have them call us sometime and they'd say, would you guys let us know what you're playing? Because people are coming here, Globe, remember Globe Records? Yeah. People would say, say, people are coming here asking for records and we don't have any idea what they're talking about because we, I, like I mean, stock them. You'd hear something, and it's like almost like this little ad hoc committee. Like, man, yeah. hear this third cut on the other side. Man, damn, that's banging. You know, put that on. Like, go put it on now. You know, that kind of stuff.
3: That's so cool. Uh, that Cool Moe album was, like, one of my oh, favorites. My, my buddies and I ran that tape out.
20: <laughs> that was good stuff. That was real radio. Yeah. So you're at The Wiz for how long? I was at The Wiz for, like, eight years and we moved to uh Swift and Commons finally got our own place and was able to be in the neighborhood where we were catering to yeah a lot of great stuff happened there man i mean i remember my one of the memorable moments was when uh, nwa came to cincinnati and if you remember the movie uh, straight out of Compton uh, there's yeah, a scene yeah. where they were in cincinnati yeah so ice cube and i walked around the corner of the Super X and we were talking and I tell people this story that he was so focused back then that anything he does now, I'm not even surprised because I was saying to him, I was like, man, you know, these cops, they're out to get you guys. He said, Oh, we know. He said, and that's exactly what we want. You know, like, basically saying like we know this is going to be good for us publicity wise but he says we're not worried about that and i mean
2: he was just as down to earth very aware of of what was going on well that wasn't all of them that was probably only about a little over half of them so there's plenty more to go back and listen to and listen to those full episodes uh if you so desire as we always say go back and cherry pick the archives people
3: that's right Pf, if i had to put you on the spot what was your favorite episode of the whole year
2: um well i really like the ronnie salerno episode because it's two things i like a lot abandoned stuff and defunct sports teams so that's straight in my basket nice dio
4: oh man i gotta give it up for sam hills yeah no one's ever heard of him or probably even cares about high five salon but guess what it was a great story it is a great story.
2: Yeah, and if you run out of episodes and you, if you've gone through and only listened to the ones or people that you know, go back and listen to the ones like High Five and Dean Regas from the Observatory. You might not know these people, but they have like the best stories.
3: Absolutely. I think my favorite, man, it's tough to pick, but uh, the Amy Yazbek episode, I feel like yeah. gave. we had some really big laughs in the room, but but they're like children to me. I, I don't yeah. know if I could pick yeah. them. <laughs> they're
4: all fun. It's a nice collection. We help to keep it going. If you guys have any suggestions, uh, be sure to send them our way, and uh, we'll try to do our best.
2: Yeah, let us know who you'd
3: like to have on the Cincy Shirts podcast.
2: Just send info at cincyshirts.com should do it, and uh, should we pick out a promo code? Yeah.
3: Might
4: as well. How
3: about 2018? Sounds okay. that's
2: good. It hasn't been used already. There you go, guys. Use a 2018. Two, 20% zero,
4: off. one, eight. Yep. Or you can type it all out, and PF will make that. No <laughs> one <laughs> word. All separate words. No Code two is invalid. Two zero one eight.
2: <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, the usual. Tell folks who used to live in town may not anymore uh, about the podcast. Uh, give us a review wherever you get the podcast from. Follow us on the social channel Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, shop the three stores, of course, if you're local: Loveland, Hyde Park, and over the Rhine. Download or stream us next time. Bye. Happy up. New Year, everybody. <laughs> dance in the